is fine to me because you know what? This is the first episode of the discourse in a post-racial America. So you know what? I'm telling you, everything is fine. <laughs> Racism is over. Congratulations. That sound in the background you're hearing is a little song called Footprints by T.O.K., the uh, song of the revolution. Uh, the Speaker of the House in the Senate Minority Leader, <laughs> Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, not respectively, the opposite of that. Uh, they put on their little, like, uh, Quinta cloth. I don't know what they're called, actually. Um, like, Kente, I always I just think, think Kente, like, I mean, I just, frankly, I, don't, I just think of them. African as- vows are hard, bro. Like, I don't know. I have a speech impediment. That's that's uh, that's discriminatory. So try to make me say that or Elon Musk kid's name. It's just a hate crime, man. So like, we don't do hate crimes anymore because this is a post-racial America. But let me just say, like, I, I don't know what they're actually called, but they just remind me of like the thing you get at graduation when you're either black or an Africana studies major. Like being black makes you an Africana studies major. They give you one of those like little <laughs> like the like the, the pattern cloth. It's like, it's like the African tartan. I imagine. I don't know. I don't, I don't know shit about. Uh... I actually just like real quick. I want to point out Evergreen State is racist as fuck because that wasn't even an option for like getting your sash when you graduated. I couldn't have bought one, and I'm pissed. They had one with the sun and moon on it. But I'd have to go like specialty buy some shit. They only had it at the one campus in a black. I mean, neighborhood. I didn't even go to my graduation. Racist. I didn't as go fuck. to my graduation, yeah, I so I can uh, show a lot of solidarity with the seniors of the COVID generation. Because you know, but honestly, they're better <laughs> off without it. I was just going to say though, racism's over because frankly, uh, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer changed their names both to Kunta Kinte. It makes it very hard to determine which one you're talking about. House Majority Leader Kunta Kinte versus Senate Minority Leader Kunta Kinte. Every street in every city, in every state, has been named Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, despite the fact that that makes it incredibly hard to find your way around. Congratulations on making it to the other side of racism, folks. How's everyone feeling? Nigga. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, okay, okay. All joking aside, this was the week of psyops. Like, this was the week of, like, you know, mm. the pigs kind of breaking and the uh, COINTELPRO Jakarta method stuff coming out. Yeah, the state and local police breaking down and the, the feds stepping in. Well, it's also like the, the people that are come being outed as brand managers who are leading protests. The guy who organized a, a march uh, with police in New York that was taken to a park and dispersed at 11 p.m. Like all of this stuff just seems very much on brand for the FBI. The efforts to control the narratives have stepped up, you know, at least in my opinion, like we've seen like a few concessions from the police. We've seen a lot of talk about, you know, defunding, you know, a lot some cities are, you know, actively working on defunding and reallocating those funds from the police. Some places are actively looking towards entirely dismantling the police like Minneapolis, you know, where that ends, who knows. But, you know, it seems as though we went from a lot of coverage about these protests to, I would say, Almost none, really. It's, it's almost as though it's, it's disappeared a lot from my, my timeline. Not to sound conspiratorial. And at the same time, we've seen the, I don't want to say infiltration, but an influx of just like what appears to be actors and brand managers and sort of like, you know, influencers and Instagram models. Uh, dressing up in revolutionary garb and attempting to, I don't know, with her sheepdog, crowds of protesters and set up, you know, essentially copaganda photos. 
Well, it's the new class of the of the wannabe punditry and influencers, and like the the next generation of that, which is one less dependent on the kind of the the formalities of the news presentation, and more about just getting to people where they are and, and kind of subliminally uh, attaching ideas and messages along with branding and all that kind of stuff is, I think, a big part of that, of what you describe as far as this kind of infiltration of uh, that. And then also, we also see that mirror in the media as far as trying to co-opt and reshape the the narrative and the energy into something that can be managed through liberal bourgeoisie uh, democracy in such a way that they can kind of grab control of of it and that also i think coincided with the lack of attention to the protests directly into the size of the protests playing down the idea that these protests were going to be go ongoing and that the initial kind of placation that we saw from the uh, initial eventual arrests and charges and so on and so forth isn't going to be enough and that there has to be deeper and larger structural change, which I think is demonstrated with the, the Seattle autonomous, autonomous zone. Well, so going for the most visible thing first, right? There were these, at least in two instances, but I've heard of, I've heard of more. One, I believe in New York and one in, I think, Atlanta, where we, you know, there is video, there's photo evidence of what has been corroborated as you know essentially actors in a beret they got last week and you know what appears to be fake uh new black panther party or revolutionary black panther party or some amalgamation or fake offset of that outfits and attempted to take over like essentially like leadership for photo ops of the uh, protest of the rally of the march but then also photo ops with the cops to the point where in new york city they were like they had the guy you know with the you know undercover armband on leading a chant of you know peaceful protest while shaking hands with the fucking chief of police like it's just like ridiculously transparent stuff so i guess my question is like do we think this is like literal infiltration or did like cops with their police you know budget that is barely overseen did they just hire these people themselves? I honest, So I'm going to be honest. I think a lot of it actually is police infiltration in that a large portion, at least of the protests that I've been to and what I've been able to cover, right? And so I've been to Tacoma. I've gone up to Seattle. I talk to people on the ground in Seattle quite often, right? Um, it's largely younger folks. It's largely people my age. You know, so those of us that were too young, really, to be a part of any previous massive movement, right? We are too young to be a part of Occupy or in the wrong place to be a part of Occupy for a lot of us. We were too young to really go out to the big protests for the uh, Iraq war for the most part, unless our parents took us along, things like that. So a lot of these folks are new to protesting. And then to speak to Seattle specifically, because you've got kind of a unique mix um, and what's going on, and I think it ends up being a good case study for liberal cities in general. So you have to look kind of at where that autonomous zone is, and it's located in the Capitol Hill neighborhood, uh, a historically white neighborhood that was segregated up until, I want to say, the 70s or 80s, after which point it was taken over by white queers. And it remains to be a very white, very queer neighborhood today, and it's also particularly wealthy. So a lot of the people going and that were protesting in Capitol actually live there. They actually live in that area. And I, in fact, I went to school 
uh, at Seattle Central College for a little bit. That's right there in the like right in the heart of where that autonomous zone is. And that's a neighborhood where you would see Ferraris pull up and park or a Maserati or things like that. So there's very, very high concentrations of wealth in the hands of particularly young people. Also, white queers think cops are their friends. The biggest thing about that neighborhood is it's huge on assimilation. So you've got two kinds of white gays there. You've got your Amazon gays and you've got your anarchist gays. And a lot of times you've got, and so what appears to be going on is you've got anarchist gays who don't actually know what rebellion looks like. They've got this fanciful idea in their head, and they're just, in their minds, the more people we can bring in at one time, the better. And so this includes Seattle police. And Seattle police have a long history of getting into these kinds of movements and undermining things and trying to trying to do that. And so I think you're going to see that in a lot of larger liberal cities. You've got a large section of the population that is very much liberal, that loves the police. I think that's their best friend. You've got the assimilation gays who just think, well, we can just assimilate to mainstream society and oppress black people and other people of color. We'll be fine. Everyone will forget that we're queer. And then you've got young people who have never really done this before who are trying to take leadership roles. Well, I mean, so like, I don't know where the fucking, like, where the actors came from. I will say, like, COINTELPRO never stopped, right? It's something we talked about with uh, Vincent Bevins, that people look back onto the, you know, the operations, the campaigns of the CIA and the FBI in America, you know, CIA abroad, obviously, and also CIA technically in America, too, and all that's illegal, I think. Not that it matters, but, like, they look back on the operations, and they think it's something that happened in the past and not something that's happening now. Now, of course, we don't know who hired these actors, and, you know, I guess there is always the possibility that they were there in a non-actor capacity just wanting to show solidarity with other black people because they were, in fact, black. However, you know, erring on the side of the more plausible with, you know, uh, interpretation, that they were hired by somebody to essentially reforming the image of the police who had spent the last few weeks beating the shit out of protesters by, you know, again, like, at least visibly bridging the gap between, like, the quote-unquote stereotypical photo of, like, a black radical, pantered-out garb, of course, and, like, for me, that illustrates the more important point that, like, you have to eventually encompass into your understanding of, like, the what is going on that there are people who are actively trying to trick you and to make you think that you're that, that like what you're seeing is not what's happening and you know until you get that into your head that even if it's not as insidious as like the fbi is trying to infiltrate the black lives matter what they definitely are but you know even if it's not as serious as that if it's just like the cops are hiring actors like there are people out there who are like trying to control the narrative and it's not as simple as just trying to inform yourself of theory in the more abstract way you have to also like be aware that there are people out there who are targeting you for the you know the the, the goal of controlling the narrative and sometimes it's not even as insidious as like the fbi sometimes it's like it's just deray and the obama foundation trying to control like what is an acephalous you know grassroots uh, protest to turn it into like a vote for joe biden campaign right or turn or like to sort of disperse that black you know justified black rage justified anti-capitalist justified anti-status quo rage and make it into something much more palatable for like mainstream audiences who are going to have to hear about it eventually yeah, I think uh, the the 
Doray point is a, a good one in particular that it doesn't necessarily matter. And I don't think he is part of some, you know, sort of grand conspiracy in order to do anything like that. It's just a matter of personal interest. Yeah. It's just a matter of personal interest. He wants to have that. He wants to be seen as having that influence. And then, uh, the, the kind of economic benefits that come along with being seen as having that influence and sway. And so like maintaining control of the narrative becomes part of that. And then making sure that narrative fits one that will please the people that he would then want to get the economic benefit from is, is, is just a natural kind of cycle. So it's not as if, yeah, as you said, it's not like a knowingly kind of like nefarious, you know, hands clasp stroking the cat kind of thing. It's just a, the, the systems as they're set up uh, incentivize a certain, you know, chain of behavior. It's the that, same thing we say know. that Chris Hayes does, the same incentives. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I guess just kind of a slightly different angle on just kind of where it comes from. I think that there's an aspect of that. So, like, I think you could use that to also kind of explain away uh, any sort of larger influence for with the actors and that kind of aspect of it without being, like, directly hired or anything. And that there's a, there's a natural group of incentives that would encourage somebody to take on that behavior on their own. The benefit could just be coincidental. But on the other hand it's almost like without a doubt we know that these local departments especially the ones in the more overwhelmed uh, larger cities are undoubtedly getting fbi consultations and that's well, one of the or, first things that they're going to do and it's like or it's not just that they're getting fbi consultations it could be that they're just a bunch of guys who thought cointel pro was cool and they're fucking keystone and copying it their way through it just like those bike cops in tampa did like hiring an actor who's very very prominent um, in scenes in New York who and a brand manager to come out and, and be like leading a protest, that's a little too fucking on the nose for the FBI, right? Like they spend years building stable of COINTELPRO. I mean, that's like the police hired a PR company and they like put them in touch with a working model, like someone who usually makes like $500, $400 a day to be on a shoot to like do this protest. I don't, I mean, I agree with Richard's point where like, you know, in a world full of clout chasers and careerists and people who like, you know, essentially see that there is a, there is a value in selling your blackness to the white, you know, the white supremacist structure to enrich yourself, if not, you know, uplift your people or whatever. There is that population of people who would definitely grift. I mean, that's like Candace Owens. That's like Diamond and Silk. That's like, you know, to a lesser degree, you know, people like Joanne Reed, right? But well, and we like, saw like, you know, Kendall Jenner with the fake signs and all of that kind of oh, Instagram yeah. influencers going out and, but, you know, exploiting the, the that part too. But go on, continue. But point. no, but in this case, I would just say, I think the cops are definitely involved if just only because like, if you're an actor and you're black and you're whatever, you're still, I would argue, you're probably still not going to want to go up to a strange police officer if they don't know, they expect that you're coming, especially if you just have like an AR-15 or something like that reeks of, that reeks of coordination, right? That we, that reeks of coordination. Like it, you, I mean, I agree though, like it's something to consider that like, hey, there are just a lot of people out there chasing clout and, and like and looking for paychecks. But like, I think there was some level of like coordination with the police there. There definitely was. You're not going to be a black person with an AR-15 and walk up to a cop and not get murdered. Let's be real about it, right? <clears throat> There's absolutely FBI coordination. So even at one of the smaller events that, one of the smaller protests, and Rich and I were both there. Richard, do you remember the, the plane that was circling the protest? The whole time. The whole time. It was the same small plane circling. And so right after that happened, right after that protest, it seemed fishy. There's reports of police departments using that stingray thing, right, to intercept phone calls and text messages 
and all that other metadata. So all of these are being monitored and Tacoma is a, is a medium-sized city, right? It's not particularly large, but it does that and its police department takes up most of the budget, but I don't think that it has enough to afford a small plane plus a steam grade, plus the time to pay the pilot, right? So you're absolutely coordinating, and they've already started coordinating with the National Guard openly. They're definitely coordinating with whatever state, with whatever federal agencies they can, in order to you know monitor, infiltrate, and then disrupt these protests. Well, and just before, like just before we started recording, uh, Trump also treat, tweeted out to Inslee about oh, the yeah. Seattle situation, which basically said, "If you don't do it, we're going to come in." Which also means that there's obviously being there's pressure from federal agencies and federal groups to basically get in there and you know crack some skulls. Right, and also the predator drones. I mean, uh, Ocasio Cortez is. Uh, putting forward a bill to stop predator drones from circling these protests. And we've had multiple instances of predator drones uh, on um, tracking software circling a lot of these protests. And that's not something you get from local PDs. But we also know that the FBI is actually involved, though, because we know that the FBI have been, has been like waiting around at police stations after after the protest arrest to question people about Antifa. Trump and the uh, the bar Department of Justice or whatever gave the go ahead to, to like actively go after the heads of Antifa. Right. Because the idea that this is an acephalous, like mostly leaderless group of like non-related cells, it's not really lost on them. It's just an excuse to basically crack down on like a uh, you know specter of left-wing extremists you know that, that's going to apply from everything to black lives matters to eco groups to like the, the sunrise movement i to 75 year old men on the sidewalk <laughs> absolutely everyone's antifa when they're up, up against the police right you know that that's like that's the dangers of feeding into that narrative because we know it's going to apply to basically everyone who finds themselves on the opposite side of like the state but surprisingly, people are demanding some movement on this. It's been three weeks of protests. Like they, they're only getting bigger despite the news coverage of them kind of waning in pursuit of like sort of painting a more rosy picture about the summer opening up and like uh, order kind of being restored. But like people are demanding some kind of action now that they are a little bit more familiar with the going ons of the state. It's just a matter of like making sure it doesn't become twisted into a more palatable liberal form. But I'd argue that like most people like simply just don't know what the police do. And I think that's been the biggest surprise mm -hmm. that like I've learned in the past week. Like not only do people not know what prison abolition is or what you know, I mean people know what defund the police is, whether or not they agree to it or not. But like whether or not they agree to defund the police, no one knows what the police do in America. Like when I would say, you know what, prison abolition is fine, defund the police is fine, people would like point to some nonsense about like, well, what do we do about, and this is the, the gun girl thing, what do we do about arsons? I was like, well, the fire department deals with arsons. You know, in a lot of big cities, the fire department is responsible for, you know, dealing with arsons, in some cases, arresting arsonists, doing all the investigations, et cetera, et cetera. They require extra training, but it's very possible for them to fill that role and they just like it just blows their fucking mind despite the fact that like that's what backdraft is about that's like what robert de niro's character mm -hmm. is well in one of the early episodes uh, that you yeah. mentioned uh, not long ago it, we talked about how like ridiculously absurd the training is that the police currently get where basically a guy in the department just kind of got volunteered to be in charge of that and then was <laughs> the person that was in charge in that particular locale so the the one of the other aspects of people not understanding what the police do is not understanding like how the police do it and like how well they're doing what they say they're doing 
and also the cri- the selection mm-hmm. criteria for them. I mean, like we talked about last week, you you can literally be too, too smart to be a cop. Oh, no, I think people believe that now. They they've seen that you can be too <laughs> smart to be a cop. And like, over the past few weeks, I mean, like at that, like it, it got to the point I think where like people were making very practical arguments about having like a series of roaming psychopaths like shooting tear gas into people's homes because they think they're sheltering you know protesters who said mean words about them. Like we have a police state, and I think you know. What obscured that preposterous as it seems is that people like many of our institutions or pseudo institutions were just projecting their values about like what they think the ideals or the purpose of that institution was when it came to the cops it was like well without the cops like who's going to enforce the law who's going to take care of you know quote-unquote crime and quote-unquote criminals you know but like when you actually break things down to them it's like okay well what crimes what criminals like like what do you think the cops do now and like you realize that they have, I hate to be kind of rude, but like more of like a child's understanding of what the police do. And a lot of it is just rooted in like not having a very good grip on the history of the United States or like class as a thing that exists or like private property or capital as being a thing that exists to be protected by the state or like racism as a systemic thing, really. It's like when people talk about racism as a systemic thing, I think what a lot of people are talking about or how they conceptualize it is like, oh, everyone's a little bit racist and then some people are a little bit more racist than other and those are the cops who like shoot people versus like oh no like the institution of policing is racist and like this is not an anomaly this is all it's capable of producing like that's the whole like the de-escalation training albatross that people get on like oh well cops just aren't getting enough de-escalation training it's like okay but they're worse at de-escalating than i am and i haven't got any de-escalation training it's just like there's like, a conflict training- manager in elementary school and it's like yeah I, they don't even seem to employ those basic techniques yeah it's like it's i mean like you know who gets yelled at a lot but doesn't shoot anybody like kindergarten teachers <laughs> you know usually <laughs> <laughs> i'll put that in. this is america but so again, like usually bro like i i have taught right i taught a high school physics class over the summer i was cussed out yelled at told i was dumb fuck you mr adair this is bullshit shit thrown around my classroom kids storming the fuck off parents wanting to holler because like why did my kid not get an a on this thing da, 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 da. i ain't shoot nobody i went home and i got real high every night like, that was <laughs> that was how i dealt with it you can't be a police and do that let let him like you do that to a cop you getting murdered like, I had a kid get in my face talking about, fuck you, you're a piece of shit, it's bullshit, I fucking, like, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, oh my god, I fucking hate it here, like, okay, that's like, de-escalate and figure out how to figure shit out. Educating the youth is not as important as shooting black people, Adair. That's what you need to, that's what you need to realize. <laughs> and of course, the Democrats, they decided to just, like, again, like, name every, like, building in the city after, like, Martha King Jr. or some nonsense. So you can't even find anything anymore. But, like, you know what? It's better than having to, like, I don't know, pass any sort of comprehensive structural change, I suppose. Like, it's, be- it's better than having to, like, define yourself proactively without, like, resorting to Republicans. Like, that- that's fine. Presenting any legislation puts them, like, under scrutiny for, essentially, and exposes who the, the interests are that they're beholden to and how they can't actually legislate half the things that they can say that they want so long as they don't actually try to put them in legislation and try to pass them and then actually get grilled by the private or by the interests like the police unions who basically run a lot of these democrat cities uh 
And so, like, that that aspect is at play as well. The thing that I keep thinking about, though, is, like, we just watched literally throughout the primary process, and we talked about it all the time on here, how every Democratic politician was saying that Medicare for all meant something different than Medicare for all. We've listened to them say for years that, you know, we believe science and we believe scientists and then say that the climate change policies that scientists are demanding and their policies that they're replacing those scientists driven policies with are just as good. And now here we got the exact same thing happening with defund the police and Democrats are out there saying, well, defund the police doesn't mean defund the police. And it's just it's I'm just so fucking sick of this rhetoric argument and this co-optation. But I'm heartened by the fact that because this time, like people that I don't know or don't talk this kind of stuff with were calling me up and asking me about this and saying, wait, why the fuck are they saying this? This doesn't make any sense. Well, I mean, I've had several point. white friends call me out of the blue. But go ahead. <laughs> I don't have any white friends. Um, I just have a string of white lovers. <laughs> no. <laughs> what the fuck, dude? <laughs> like, no, people are like able. And this is like what made it so dangerous to the cops. And it, it made me wonder, like, OK, like, do they really just not get that? At a certain point, they're only allowed to do this from like, uh, you know, just from like an ideological standpoint, because people just don't people still think that the cops exist to protect and serve people. Like They have constructed this like weird dichotomy in their heads, like without the presence of cops, like there would just be disorder and chaos because like cops exist in stark contrast to that. But then, you know, they watch like thick neck goon push down like a frail old man to like and bust his skull on the ground and just like keep walking past. And that really causes them to actually have like a serious like ideological schism with policing. Despite like what Democrats and like the media pundit class or political media class, whatever, like what you believe, people don't need to understand how to build a bridge to know a, bi- a bridge is broken. It doesn't work. Right. People don't need to understand like how to pave a road to understand that the road they have is not functional. The same is true of the police. You don't have to have like a background in theory or background in law enforcement to know that the like, to have a serious issue and think that it's just simply unacceptable for the police to a be pushing down like, you know, elderly people and then lying about it so brazenly that he tripped and fell. But also just like with so many with so many autonomous protests going on, with so many people autonomously joining it, it's much more likely that you know somebody who's been either in direct opposition to the police or like was essentially in the proximity of police doing violence. And so now you have a first or secondhand account that's much more believable and much more real than just seeing isolated incidents of black people killed on the news, which are easier to think are people in a racist society being extra racist, which makes them extra bad and extra stupid. Uh, no, absolutely. I think uh, it's one of the things that I've encountered in discussing with uh, various liberals about, you know, kind of, uh, you know, either abolishing the police or defunding the police is the initial thing is, well, that, that means all law enforcement, right? And it's like, no. And the part of that question, and there's a great interview uh, on the intercepted Jeremy Scahill uh that I think everybody should check out. Uh, I've retweeted lots of people have uh, just generally, and I don't think any of us would call ourselves experts on this stuff. But uh, if you happen to be listening and want to know more about this stuff, I feel like it's important to at least cover some of the basics. And one of the most frequent questions that I've heard in encountering this is, you know, it's like, oh, so no, no police, no nothing. And one of the aspects we were talking about earlier is about, well, what do the police do? And one of the aspects of that, that I think is overlooked a lot of is 
the separation between police and law enforcement and what people are thinking about with law enforcement, like stuff that's done by a parking lot attendant or a bouncer at a bar or a hall monitor or a sports referee or the people behind the, the counter at the DMV or an insurance person is like, we have all these systems in place that do these things that we consider sort of law enforcement and essentially the police just act as a, a threat at the end of it that if you don't follow through and after enough paperwork's followed up followed through eventually there's a threat of force to or prison in order to enforce that you follow those other systems uh, and but it typically in the vast majority of the cases that it never ends up coming down to the police unless it happens to be with typically minority and other marginalized groups but i think some others want to get in here i think it's interesting right as we get close as we move forward talking about this kind of stuff one of the things that i think is really under 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 mentioned is just how valuable social workers are and how much smoother so many things would go if it was a rapid response social worker team that was sent out as opposed to a pair of cops, right? And if you're there, the argument comes up, right? Well, what if somebody has a gun? Okay, sure. Like I get sending somebody that has nothing that could be lethal, right? But would stop people from getting murdered. But I also think that a social worker has more than enough skills to talk somebody down. And I think that's really what you end up seeing at a lot of this. A lot of times you're not getting malicious killings. Like police don't have a dangerous job. They really don't. But you, you know, people that are the victims of crime are traumatized usually. So they need somebody there that can help them process that, get through things in a safe and controlled way. And if it's something like, you know, I don't know, a robbery or a drive-by or whatever, or something, right? Some kind of violent or invasive crime. Sure, you can send somebody who's an investigator, but that doesn't mean they need to be a cop, right? Policing functions and serves a very specific purpose in the West. And policing as an institution in the United States of America is a racist institution meant to consolidate power in the hands of a few by extracting wealth primarily from people of color and other marginalized folks, right? And so these are all things that really need to be talked about more too. When we're talking to people who are just now starting to kind of like think about these things. Um, I wanted to touch on one of Richard's points. I was getting questions or I was hearing that the rhetoric around prison abolition was too confusing or defund police was too confusing all week. And I'm not an expert. I was quick to tell people I'm not an expert. But basically everyone who quizzed me on it seemed to have preconceived notions about it that came from nowhere other than like them thinking really hard about what they thought the, the name prison abolition meant and them and this just essentially just not looking it up we're only looking it up from people who would essentially just be like not a reliable narrator about like you know the vox boys were on a tear about this for a few days and like some people like sort of chimed up and agreed with them but like frankly everyone who actually sat down and had like a minute or whatever conversation about it essentially decided they agreed with me and I don't want to say their problem was with the name, but upon like, you know, being exposed for not knowing what they were talking about, immediately shifted their problem to like a sort of like semantic one. Like, well, abolition means something. I think, like, well, yeah, but like it means what it means in prison abolition. It's just like a long-term goal versus like a short-term reality. And again, you know, 
police is different from law enforcement, as Richard said. Like people think of police as being synonymous with the enforcement of the law, and for some people, synonymous with like the existence of a criminal-free, crime-free, you know, fucking like chaos-free society. But that's just not what we do because our our criminal justice system is just incredibly punitive. You know, it's just somebody being bad and/or stupid or being unable to control themselves, and there just aren't any legitimate structural mechanisms that cause people to commit crimes or lead to the exacerbation of crimes like it's just a moral and intellectual failure so it's okay to you know defund schools defund homeless shelters defund you know other services social workers etc and just funnel that money into the police because like again our notion of policing is a lot like our notion of military it's just like kinetic it's like the more police you see in the streets the more arrests that's what's keeping crime down versus like increasing everyone's standard of living working at a minimum wage etc you're not allowed to make those arguments because that's being soft on crime and you can't be soft on crime because then the republicans will call you like pussies and you'll lose like i don't know the 1996 election uh but now we have a society like where people just are fucking like borderline, you know, I don't want to say illiterate because they can read, but they're just like semi-erudite. It's like they just think they know everything and not from reading or learning how to educate themselves, but just from like thinking really hard about something like, oh, I know what the word abolition means. I know what the word prison means. So I know the entire contents of like what is essentially a field of study, prison abolition, simply from like reading one article in New York Times, a notoriously leftist uh, publication that, that that always presents ideas outside the status quo, you know, adequately. And then you go, OK, well, you know what? Actually, you can't. Like they get defensive and say, okay, but you know, you agree with it. You just are upset. You didn't look it up. But I mean, that's behavior they're getting from our media. They're mirroring that behavior from our pundit class. Incredibly intellectually incurious, incredibly like intellectually egocentric. And they want to flip back and forth between like the autodidact who can fucking learn anything just by thinking really hard about it from like Marxism to climate science to like prison abolition and then when you call them out for being ignorant they get all haughty and they like and they want to play like the every man who if they don't understand it then no one can and it's just like you're neither it's like you're just an upper middle class bougie piece of shit who's allowed to play expert because you could afford to like intern somewhere for free for three years like and, like, and it's so frustrating and, and probably like, have like some very specific expertise somewhere that they then think applies everywhere we continue barely even that like their expertise is writing semi-articulate articles like they're like they write high school essays and they want to be lauded for it. and this was the same week that like they were like, the fucking new york times was publishing pro like military occupation of american cities to put down peaceful protests and, like it's ridiculous like i mean like and but that goes to like the like just the general problem we're having with like getting narratives out there like people are focused on like over tinkering with prison abolition or fucking you know defund the police and how it plays with the average american but like in reality we're dealing with a, a media class who have been purposely staffed with people who are too dumb to figure things out and too like have too big of an ego to admit when they're wrong or like or too cowardly if they do agree with something that goes against power to stick up for it and a power who just doesn't mind like hiring a bunch of actors to pretend to be black panthers yeah that was the other one that definitely stuck out to me too is that that whole process you described of realizing that they just didn't know what they were talking about and being confronted with that they have to read it's the same thing i dealt with a lot with uh, just when i first started to encounter marxism and started to like present it to uh, my progressive or more liberal friends or whatever 
And the pushback is basically based on, I haven't learned anything about this. I don't know anything about it. And if I don't know anything about it, it can't possibly have uh, value, any real value. It must have been dismissed by all these other intelligent people for a reason. And they just don't want to investigate that reason or understand it and then understand the concepts between Marxism or abol abolishing prison themselves until they're forced to, under certain circumstances, this is a particular one, and then combining that with the economic and the political circumstances, a lot of people, and with for Bernie Sanders, you know, getting hosed over by the media and all these, like, there's been these triggering events that have uh, radicalized people or given people cause to look more deeply at these things. But before that, before these particular events, it was just totally acceptable to just not know anything and to dismiss things out of hand. You could easily like black lives matter was this not that long ago. They've recently talked about, uh, how it's seen a surge in support where it was sub 50% support, even during the peak of Ferguson and in, into 2016 and is now pl uh, like upwards of 65, 70% higher than it was even even uh, with Democrats uh, when polled specifically uh, back then. And so you see this kind of uh, radical change in the perception based off of very specific circumstances, although the fundamental underlying uh, situation hasn't changed at all. It's frustrating dealing with people like that just from a personal level, people like that who are so smug because like, yeah, you know what? We can have a conversation about like just internally, I think, about like optics and the proper way to phrase things and like also like as long as it includes the idea of like oh, the media is always going to be trying to control a narrative if something you say resonates well enough with people they're going to try to like co-opt it either acknowledge it without doing anything or sort of incorporate it into their lexicon without actually working towards what it entails or they're just going to like make it mean something else that will be what we saw at medicare for all right i mean yeah, I think and i saw those same that. people go read a reddit post or a washington post article and then be like well this is what abolish the police or this is what defund the police means and i can i can help inform you you poor luddites and you poor you know ignorant folk and it's like where did you pull like you just pulled that out of your ass and you don't even know that what you're saying is bullshit and has nothing to do with a decades-long movement that's been like thoroughly researched and like any questions or any of the things you're bringing up are things that people have long since considered and like have gotten to the point of addressing where they just dismiss it with jokes and sarcasm, sarcasm because it's so fucking absurd that you're going to act like your fucking 30 minutes of thinking and, fi and 15 minutes of reading a Washington Post article is somehow going to provide you to bring insight into this long-standing discussion and, and movement that hasn't been brought in by the, the countless people that have come before you. Oh, it's no, like, no, just... no, no, Richard, no, <laughs> Richard, have you, did you hear? Like, they, like, prison abolitionists never thought of crime. It's like, like when, they, when they were conceptualizing getting rid of our current racist, capitalist, sexist, just like incredibly deleterious society, prison industrial complex, they didn't consider that people would still commit crimes. So like me, a fucking junior staffer at Vox, at, at Vox, <laughs> sorry, like not even like the New Yorker, right? Like, I mean, New York is shit too, but like still, like at least, you know, at least be somewhere real, right? No offense. Uh, I mean, no, obviously I'm being offensive. But like, you know, but it's, just like, it's just an expression. I don't mean it. Of course, me, like a staffer, with, I figured out something that all of these scholars, most of which are women of color, did not figure out. It's the first fucking question you have, right? Oh, you know, like, what do you do about murderers? Like, I mean, that would be like the first question. I mean, obviously, like for a lot of people, like the question of what do you do about crime is code for like, well, we know that the cops exist to keep like the rabble, which is coded as black under control. But really, the rabble is like those 
who's opposed to capitalists or who find themselves on the opposite side of the status quo like you know and that's, that's in part they because do. they de- that's in part because they develop broken morality where the only reason they don't do bad things is be- for fear of punishment or thinking that somebody's watching and i, I don't want to get into that aspect of it go ahead <laughs> I mean, that doesn't really matter, like, at least for this conversation. It's like, you know, assuming you don't mean it as black people, assuming that you're just like uh, acting in good faith, like, what do we do about crime? Like, how do you get to the point where you've developed such a sense of, like, self-importance and, like, ego and just, like, n- unchecked? But, like, to go, like, oh, no one's ever thought about, like, murder before. And then to, like, as your evidence, go to, like, well, I checked these, this article in the Washington Post and the New York Times, and, like, they, they, they didn't satisfy my questions. It's like, okay, well that i can understand that and i've had that criticism too but for me my first thought would be okay well maybe these publications aren't reliable narratives of like a sentiment that i would consider to be largely anti-status quo maybe i should go to the source for this but like no because they've been conditioned to think of themselves as like the hyper competent the hyper like intelligent quite you know hyper rational consumer and producer of information it's like they just think about it real hard and convince themselves that they found like an obvious hole and you know and that's trickled down to a large part of their readership because like they're not only like the you know the purveyor of propaganda like essentially like they're the biggest customer like you know a lot of these positions are just are not staffed by people who are self-aware enough or smart enough to be like propaganda merchants they're just like super they just think they're super smart and it's then they, so and then bizarre they, i was i was gonna say i developed my like sense of arguing you know arguing with my parents as a young child and it's like i came like when i was really young i thought okay the people like if somebody disagrees with me it's because they know more than i do about whatever i'm arguing and, it, it, and more experience and knowledge will help me see their point of view and it didn't take but till about eight or nine before that stopped lining up with reality and then i had to adjust the way that i viewed people but like then you know you encounter professionals and teachers and stuff it's like okay well these are the ones that know and if they disagree with me it's because they know better and know more and that and it's like go to college it's like oh no those fucking uh, k-12 through teachers didn't know shit and it's like first of just... all nigga fuck you i know what the fuck i'm talking about my motherfucking field so fuck you yeah well everybody had one that knew something but like it, it's just like <laughs> it's just bizarre to me that somebody made it to adulthood without like like just always thinking and developing such a deep and sense of self-worth that they really believe that their 30 seconds of fucking thinking about it is providing such deep insight that these people like it's just really well, fucking mind melting let's be real real quick a lot of these people that are writing for like fucking vox and shit went to some big box university and got a degree and 99 percent of the time at least in my experience and i think you know most other people that have been to college will agree with this it's a lot of students with their head up their ass smelling their own shit. And so like they get self-important the entire fucking way through college. They get one good feedback, one piece of good feedback from a professor and they think like they know everything and that shit is fucking annoying. My favorite part about being a black mathematician is having people ask me for my, my expert opinion on math and then, you know, them not believing me until a white mathematician verifies what I said. Even though they have no understanding of math, right? Compared to them, I'm a literal expert. Nah, they gotta wait for the white. I'm like, I'm not gonna lie. I'd be doing that too to you, there. You be saying some <laughs> shit about math, and my first thought is like, I, but it's not because you're black. It's just because I know you. It's like when your friend is like a doctor or something, and like, or like, and like, but they're also like a person you know who once got like so drunk they tried to eat a shoe. Right. And you're just like, oh. <laughs> 
Ben Carson effect. It's like the opposite of like, you know, assuming someone has broad expertise because they're really good at one thing. It's like assuming somebody is bad at everything because like the only thing you know from is that there's no shit at it. Where it's, just like, it's just like, dude, it's like, can Ben Carson, like they, you would let Ben Carson operate on you? It's just like, have you seen him? It's like try to give a speech or something? It's like fucking I have terrible. narrow expertise. Everyone has narrow expertise. It's the only way expertise exists except for in like the punditry class which exists on like pretending as though they have like again a, an ability to broadly educate themselves and then communicate that knowledge in a way that's digestible to the everyday average person but i think what we're seeing is that they are i would argue uniquely even more so than the average person incompetent and what makes them incompetent is that they they think they know everything not only does that make them like incapable of discerning where like their expertise ends and like where they need to like sort of go outside of themselves but it also makes them incredibly like efficient vehicles for a propaganda machine you just staff them in a place like you tell them they know everything and anything that they haven't learned is not important you put them in like in charge of educating people and then like either they'll feed them the wrong information or they'll just go like well if i don't understand that the average person couldn't and like you know americans are so fucking cucked that they just sit there scratching their heads sometimes and go well, well you know what if, if if like the writers at vox say i can't understand something i guess i can't guess it's too complicated it's like i i I think the average person is probably smarter than like the average pundit, at least more intellectually curious. There's just the added bonus of just like really not being able to cope with black people and especially black women just telling well, you, them that they're dumb. I mean, Trevor Noah and and The Intercept had better guests on to discuss what uh, what the movement was, what defend the policemen, what abolitionists are asking for than anybody else on television or in the news. And that just goes to the thing, like you just said, they're so fragile they can't even stand to have an expert tell them, no, you're fucking wrong and you're an idiot. They can't even come on Twitter and communicate like an adult and just like, oh, you know, I'm interested in learning about this. Can someone just point me to the right books, the, you know, the right person to speak to? Like, like you know, like any one of us would do if it was something that we wanted to learn about. Oh, who's the expert on this? Who can I talk to? Who can I, How can I inform myself? They just go like, oh, I can inform myself by just like thinking about it because context clues work. Well, and then when somebody does have the audacity to actually tell them like, what they're actually representing instead of what they're confirming what they already believe they then immediately expose themselves as not actually being genuinely curious about understanding the topic or issue but instead just waiting for an opportunity to point out why whatever this thing is is should be dismissed out of hand because obviously in my 30 seconds of thinking i've pointed out this obvious error that you couldn't possibly have considered and your resistance to you know responding to it for the 800,000th time to the fucking 10 millionth person is just not, you know, it's just more further evidence that you don't really have a simple answer. And if you don't have a simple answer, then you can't possibly really understand what it is you're talking about. And then on top of that, they'll, you know, jump on top of people that are newly, uh, uh, you know, supportive of abolition or defunding the police and capitalize on their ignorance as demonstrative of the entirety of the movement and the work that's been done, for, again, for decades. So real quick, just to kind of push back just a tiny bit, because uh, I agree with what you said by and large. <clears throat> the thing about simple answers, right, is sometimes an answer is relatively simple. And that's one of the things that I think we run into with people who think that they know a lot about everything. There are concepts that I know about what I when I'm doing math, right, that have bits and pieces of like your basic high school algebra. Like so sometimes you're writing a proof, it's algebraic. 
And so like I can point to people, I can I've pointed out to my students before and I've pointed out to people that I'm tutoring. They're like, okay, say so, so like you're wondering why this is important to learn now. Well, here's an example of some problem that I had to do for class, you know, back when I was an undergrad. And here's how exactly what you're doing right now plays into this big piece later, right? And so it's sometimes there are little bits and pieces of things that are simple tucked into larger problems. And there are some times where you gotta be like, okay, so if I'm gonna approach this and I'm gonna give you a good answer, right? Because I can give you a bad answer that doesn't really explain anything, but giving you a good answer requires that you understand a few more bits and pieces here or there, even though that's a relatively simple answer, right? It requires some base knowledge. And mm -hmm. that becomes hard when having these conversations, right? Because not a lot of us have enough of that knowledge to really be able to to speak on that. And I think everybody on this show is pretty, is pretty good about saying that thing, those things. But it becomes interesting when that enters the public discourse because that, that re that's the response you get, right? It's like, well, if you can't explain it simply, then you must not know what you're talking about. And that's not always the case. Sometimes you're just not the best person to speak on it. Or, you know, it just requires a level of study of theory in this case that would take an, just take an inordinate amount of time where you're just like, I cannot explain to this to you right now because of the work that would go into it. One aspect of that carries back to what we talked about earlier, which was that like abolitionists have a basic understanding of the function of police and the what they do. And it's like if you're operating like a lot of white America was under this false premise of, you know, police catch criminals and they keep society in order, all those types of things, then without first like digging into and uh, kind of taking that apart, then the next thing of what do you do about murders, all they see is, oh, you want Care Bear patrols to go and, and talk things out. And it's like, that's stupid. And it's like, well, no, you're not understanding. It's like, first off, like 95% of the time, the police show up long after whatever happened, happened. Like, they're, they're not intervening in the vast majority. five percent of the time, they're committing the crime. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they're there before and after, if you really think about it. But no, I, I was a teacher, I was a teacher. I think we have a lot of teachers who listen to this show, actually. And it's just like... I think it's fair for somebody who doesn't know something. It's more than fair. And it's, it's encourageable for someone who does not know something to feel free to ask as many dumb questions about it as they feel necessary to like, inform themselves mm -hmm. and make their mind up. That's just the way things – I mean, that's just how you learn things. Unfortunately, we have a school system that I would argue discourages people from asking really difficult questions of fear or shame of like failing or, or being embarrassed publicly in class for saying the wrong thing or being laughed at because, you know, just like our, our criminal justice system, we have a very punitive fucking education system like it's, it's very geared towards you know if you mm -hmm. fail at school you're going to fail at life there are no second chances you know it is just is what it is and so like if you come toward to like a topic with a level of earnestness to learn i think anybody will you know anyone who's interested in that topic will take their time to teach you about it at least they're, if they're genuinely interested and not just like again just smugly trying to prove how smart they are about something however if you come to a topic assuming you know everything and then when you're proven that you don't know really anything about it that like you just adopt this air of like well then it's just too stupid and complicated for anyone to understand then of course everyone's going to make fun of you because this is where like, we can tie the media and also like the psyops into the conversation is that people who we're talking to for the most right. part are operating under a strategically constructed delusion about what the police are for right and mm -hmm. you know and, it's, and it, it's very difficult to break through that sort of like 
deeply ingrained trust, if not in the police, in the need for order and authority, and you know, however you frame that. And luckily, the police have done a good job themselves of like violently breaking people out of that delusion. However, you know, we have other agents or other, you know, stakeholders in, you know, in the policing of society, whether it be, you know, like racists or just people who make money off of prisons or off of like the military industrial complex or whatever, like we like who are actively trying to make people and make these ideas less popular. And I think that's the part of the equation that people kind of want to leave out. You know, not only is it like the dumbass pundits who just are confusing, but they're put there for a reason. You know, they're put there, they're put there to keep like the dangerous ideas outside of the hands of the people who would benefit from them the most because they don't interest both because they're intellectually incurious and because their material experiences don't tend to speak to the kind of person who would be interested in that thing. And that's a strategic choice. You know, what does that mean that it's like conscious all the time? No, but it's strategic. At the same time, we have disinformation campaigns. We have actors being put into like pro protests to like to change people's opinion to about the police. That's a propaganda campaign. But like for whatever reason, you're not allowed to like discuss those things when it comes to like why people believe yeah. what they believe about the police. It's like it's a, we're supposed to just pretend like everyone just wakes up and is like racist, which I mean like, you know, more or less that is what happens in America. But like <laughs> but like but we're supposed to pretend that still like there are not people out there who are actively stoking that country, who are actively trying to misinterpret you or who have been put there because they're they're likely to passively misinterpret you. Like, you know, for me to focus on like the problem with police abolition this as like a rhetorical semantic thing. Well for for the first part, you know, just say like if I hear that from like a pundit, I'm just like, okay, that's fair, assuming that you haven't positioned yourself as, a, as an expert on this. You know, I'll treat you fairly and try to explain to you best that I can or give you some resources. Yeah. But, like, it's not – I don't think it's legitimate for someone who's in charge of educating people about something to say something is too complicated. <laughs> like, I think that's like, oh, okay, so, like, yeah. I'm, I'm just going no, to treat you like a dumbass then. Like if, you, like, if you came to me and, like, you were like, I understand this whole thing, and then I ask you – then you go, like, well, you know – how are we going to enforce the law if, if the police can't use force or if they don't have a monopoly on violence if it's all volunteer? I'm like, then okay, you don't, then you don't know anything about this. <laughs> and so I just, I mean, I can't, I can explain it to you, but I can't respect you. <laughs> like I just, yeah, like, I can't keep like, treating you like an intelligent uh, contributor to this discussion if you're coming at it with that much ignorance. It's just not fair to either of us. That most like self confident ignorance. Yeah, I can't. I just can't treat you as like as a smart person, which is fine because I don't think pundits are smart. But like, you know, I can't even keep up the delusion for you. Yeah, and it's for you because you won't let it go and it's going to upset you, but go ahead, Adair. I think pundits, right, deserve any special respect. But one of the things that society has done has made it seem bad to ask questions, right? We talk, And Chad brought that point up with, you know, if you do bad in school, you're going to do bad in life kind of mentality. So one of the things that I that I try to do with, the, with these kinds of conversations is what I do when I'm in a class and I've got students, right? Math in particular, and you're trying to teach, like, in this case, I was trying to teach somebody algebra. And they're like, well, I know algebra really well already. And they were stuck on a problem. I was like, okay, well, how do you, like, do you know about this? You know, like, so we're just, I was, it was like a quadratic equation. I was like, so what if we factored it? And they're like, well, I don't really know what that means, right? And so like, okay, so you start breaking things down and trying to be like, okay, so where is there a foothold, right? You try to find a foothold and you're like, okay, so if you, you're coming in saying, you know, X, but you really don't. We can work backwards, find where you do have a foothold, and then shift the conversation to that and build from there. This way, 
they don't get as defensive and right and it becomes a productive conversation as opposed to a combative one if i'm just like well fuck you you're dumb right immediately it's combative and right not everybody deserves this level of grace and not everybody deserves this energy from you right if you have it and you feel comfortable having those conversations right as a communist i think for me it's an important thing to try to do is to talk to people about theory but figuring out where they're at and then trafficking those ideas in from there and bringing them up to speed i think is something that we have to do just general population fuck a pundit right fuck a pundit but like generally speaking oh yeah no a absolutely if it is in any way amenable to some sort of anti-status quo some kind of anti-state message you need to hop the right the fuck on that and say whatever you need to say to get on your side they want to talk about police brutality like can you believe that they're fucking defunding all these schools like to fucking pay these pigs extra money they can't fix these fucking potholes but they can give cops all like they can give cops tanks like that's ridiculous right it's like we, people fucking like Taser. They can't afford PPEs for like our our heroes in the fucking uh, you know hospital, but they can give these fucking like barely educated goons a, like a grappling hook. It's like oh hell no. The left doesn't have the kind of power that it can afford to be that picky about these things. So at a certain point, like whatever like vector you can use to get people interested and like sort of start breaking the hold that that kind of like indoctrination has put over their head, like break them out of that fucking fog of fluoride. In Netflix that infects America, the better. That's all really the left can do to like break, to like to sort of get any kind of power is just constantly be waking people up and delegitimizing these institutions. And that part I think is a little frustrating for me because you have people who want to like talk about the language, like it's prison abolition too, it's prison abolition too fucking like uh, alienating. When I agree with it there, it's like, you know, students, random people, you'd be surprised what they're open to. Pundits, they think it's alienating because they like the police. It's like they're the people who were like Kamala should run as like cop versus criminal. Like you can't you can't win those people with an argument because like they've only been convinced that they're rational actors when really they're being mostly driven by their like material circumstances and like their comfort and they want to maintain that above all. And like part of that is just like, well, I believe the cops are there to protect me, and so like I I don't want to defund them, so I'm not going to traffic those ideas to people because they might actually. Oh, and they also think that there's some truth to the idea that cops literally stop poor people from stealing their shit and I mean, like, I hope, in some I of their cases not. they might be right but like it's important to make the distinction across the political spectrum between the people not who are like most on your side or like closest in proximity to your, what your position but people who you can mobilize and people who you can't people who you can convince people who you can't when it comes to like the like the core believers of like liberalism it's like a lot of them are just like they're lost man it's like they're lost it sounds rude because it kind of is we do this like tearing down the statues thing every fucking month whenever people talk about like history in america like oh you know how are we gonna remember history i was like first of all fuck you these statues are cheap and bullshit but like let's be perfectly clear like in america you're actively discouraged from learning too much or too many things about america we've entirely gotten rid of like the language of class and labor movement we've watered down the civil rights movement to the point where it's barely even like resembling what it actually was we've gotten rid of america's role in the global south the history of the global south and what effect that's had on us at home as long as well just like the general like the clandestine nature of what the cia and fbi were doing the police departments etc like in the name of like racism all that stuff is just 
away out of our curriculum out of our media you can occasionally win like a pulitzer or get a good review of your fucking tv show by like depicting the tulsa riots or whatever but like it never sticks people's heads like honestly it just, it just goes away you know you're punished for like being able to draw basic patterns but you realize it kind of has to be that way because we have a two-party system where if you were able to like use basic critical thinking skills you would understand just how how deeply dysfunctional it is like how you can't just like flip back and forth between like fascism and neoliberalism and expect things to just end up okay eventually <laughs> like you would see that you're like a, that you're like you're still headed down the same road just at varying speeds but like you know honestly like that lesser evilism the like the propaganda networks that pass for like our mainstream media like it's americans brains are just like jello well, there's a parallel with the economic system as well, with like the boom and bust cycles of capitalism and knowing and understanding that they're happening and just not like uh, addressing it in any serious way other than, you know, with the Fed and just basically perpetuating the problem and kicking the can down the road into the erasure of history. It's like one of the things that between the autonomous zone and everything I, and everything that's going on, went back and was looking at the poor people's campaign and is like, I've probably, like you said, at one point, somebody told me about Resurrection City, but it completely evaporated from any sense of my mind if I was ever told about it. And it's like, oh, so you're telling me Martin Luther King Jr. set up a basically a tent city that was supposed to be a home base for uh, protest actions as part of the Poor People's Campaign, which was uh, the, uh, for those who probably heard that part for, was part of the radicalization of MLK towards the end of his life, right before he was assassinated, and many people suggest prompted his assassination, which was collating working class people from all different backgrounds uh, behind a campaign to essentially undermine the capitalist system as we knew it. Richard, Uh, Richard, Richard, Richard. Americans were surprised that the fire department investigates fires. I had had to explain to people that that the fire department is capable of investigating fires. That's why when people tell me that, that prison abolition is too complicated, I'm like, yo, my man, then we gotta do something about education in this country. It's just like we mm-hmm. can't just keep like we can't just keep down this road of making things progressively and progressively dumber because our pundit class is stupid and our politicians treat us like children. Like eventually we have to like talk to everyone like adults and go like, okay, but like climate change is a problem and we can't just deregulate coal every four years and expect things to work out okay. That's the same. It's it's your job. It's it's the punditry. It's the fucking uh, the music industry. It's all about making these people interchangeable and replaceable, so that they can't have any voice of their own or any objections. Because if they do object to the system or anything, they can just be replaced with another hungry person, ready and waiting to take their place. The fungibility is what people use as an excuse, and like honestly, Americans are just—they just lack imagination. They lack imagination, and they lack—I would say—like long-term ability to hold thoughts in their heads in a way that, like, you know, contextualizes them or draws any kinds of patterns. Like you have people who are so concerned about the weaponization of rhetoric, you know, prison abolition. You know, they think that like it's just a matter of like putting the right words together in a sentence and then Jeff Bezos will give up $50 billion. Like they honestly think that if like, you know, if it was, (laughs) if it wasn't called prison abolition, but it was called like something else, prison reform, but like the, the core components of it were the same, like that the actual power brokers would be tricked. And like, that's just the nascent liberalism that gets people to like, so 
caught up spinning their wheels with respectability politics and like flirting with electoralism because that's what it says to me like if you're worried about like framing prison abolitionists like the like the right way like you're worried about electoralism <laughs> electoralism still and like they just cheated that man like a month ago and then you're already getting geared up to join get back into the system because like i i mean honestly i have to say it like you know people just want a lot of people just want to publish things like they just want to be like they just want to be in the mix it's less about like the capability of an idea getting weaponized although some people again like the pundit class have the ego to believe that like their idea or their rhetoric is uniquely unweaponizable you know i hate to bring up bernie my man marched with martin king jr and they called him a racist so clear so clearly it's not just a matter <laughs> of, of like getting everything right it's a matter of power and them not being open to anti-status quo or anti-capitalist messages Right. But I think that everyone wants it both ways. Pundits want to be super smart, but also every man, you know, a lot of leftists want to complain about like the weaponization of ideas. But then they, they also want to go on the platforms, operate in the same circles as the people who are actively. And this is the point, actively trying to co-opt and steal those ideas because they know they're appealing and they know they will appeal to people if they can just be controlled and watered down, but like still have the same kind of like radical bite. That's why they steal the language because it does work. It's just they have to have dominance of it if they can't steal it, they just kill you but like you know you want to complain that the people on the news are not the best communicators of any leftist idea but have you ever considered that they're put on the news because of that maybe like that's not a coincidence that they get the least qualified least articulate person because then that helps delegitimize that it's this is how hannity came rose to fame he had uh, uh, Combs on the show and Combs was just there to present the liberal arguments poorly and so that he could uh, just bash them with the the Republican talking points of the day and it was just to kind of to play this out for people to, to then imitate at home. It's like so many people this week were tweeting out about like the things that we've been talking about here including the Ehrlichman interview from Harper's that confirmed that the entire purpose of creating the war on drugs was to put black people behind bars and it's like yeah, hey, did you also know that Ailes specifically pitched Fox News to the Nixon administration while he was working there because he felt that the news at that time wouldn't be amenable to that message? Like, fuck, what do you think is this is? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, well, honestly... Definitely underestimated how racist America could be going <laughs> I mean... I mean, well, apparently it's not racist enough to let cops run totally wild, which is, I guess, good, because that's been, like, the I mean, thing... Give them a fucking week, but go ahead. Cops are incapable of being on their best behavior because, like, they're cops, but, like, people are still in the streets. It's, it's very easy to forget that because, like, the media has given the, the protests a sense of false conclusion. With the... Uh, funeral of george floyd they were able to put like a sort of like symbolic uh like pin on it like, okay well that's it for that now we can do like do more positive narratives about society reopening and like you know basically more liberal coddling narratives to get less people less people interested less people paying attention you know people are awake now put them back to sleep you don't want people focusing too hard on these things and i mean a lot of these institutions that people are theoretically fond of except for the post office of course they're fond of because like they have very limited engagement with them and they're very e it's very easy to project their values onto them project deals onto them like if you pay too much attention to onto them you realize that like they just don't represent your values you know like a lot of people like their moral code they thought was being protected by the law and like the police officers as agents of the law and what you know but no one's moral code except for like a bunch of psychos includes like beating up old people only republicans like see that and they think to themselves oh yeah this is gonna play well with all like the perverts out there who like masturbating to like police brutality like everyone else is like oh that's terrible
we get, I think, a little bit too, not hard on liberals, but too, like, convinced that liberals are bad when a lot of it is just, like, they are incredibly coddled, both intellectually and, like, emotionally. And so by, like, their media apparatus, especially, I mean, I mean by that I mean, like, the like the elite sort of centrist branded liberals. But, like, they tend to have good impulses. Like, they don't want to watch old people get beat by the cops. It's, like, no matter what they think the cops are for, they don't think they're for that. It's just, like, so, like, you know, when you expose that to them, they have very strong reactions to it. Unfortunately, when you put, when you sort of take that out of their sight by taking up the news, they just forget. They, they, they just assume it's over I now. Mean, yeah, what's kind of been lost in the, because of the rapid succession of these events and the, the kind of, pre, the, the, the radical actions that was taken by uh, people in Minneapolis specifically is like, there's still the Breonna Taylor situation that is gone unresolved. And there's also the Maude Arbery murder, which is outside of the policing dynamic, because that's just speaking to a deep racism, uh, racist trend within the country that's outside of actual policing and speaks more towards the concepts of people taking law enforcement into their own hands with the kind of existing uh, social rot of racism and that's another kind of concern I've heard about when people hear about concepts like what's often uh, you know kind of reduced into community policing but is actually a different and under abolition is a different reimagining of kind of damage mitigation and community engagement not community policing as has been in practice by like the NYPD and such which is basically just a propaganda campaign to you know play basketball and while you're collecting intel on the people you're going to arrest later that day and it's like the the deeper uh, issues of the the racist personal enforcement uh, being, you know, oh, well, if you know you have these communities and uh, self-enforcing, then you're going to have these, the KKK is basically going to become the, the law. And it's like, well, there's these are things that have been concerned, or like we're obviously concerned, especially considering a lot of this was born out of people living in those places. And so these aren't concerns that they haven't thought about. And so it's like it's imperative that rather than just present the question or the concern as if it's novel and hasn't been considered, but to seek out those answers in ways that don't assume that it's it's that you're presenting this idea as if nobody's thought about it and that you've you've got this gotcha drop the mic moment when really what you've done is just again exposed how little research or investigating you've done on your own prior to that type of engagement Catch me wildin' with my woadies, current feeling fully loaded. I push that power trip up to the limit, still I'm focused. Feeling with the motive if you feel heroic. See, I ain't gotta be convincing. I was in before I wrote it, bitch. Winning board. Back to the business, boy. What you winning for? Don't feel the ore. Pure through your gimmicks, boy. What the image for? Forgive me, Lord. Living my life, that means I'm sinning more. A scary nigga doubting my mind. I never been before, I'm tour swag. Had the vision pack from the jump, I left them actors dust. Only way I look back and discuss, fuck the bash. Act. Going back to black and turning madness up I've had it up the hat I'm back to crashing through your traffic rush Screaming move bitch get out the way I'm about to cause a scene when I bring the troops out the play Getting highly medicated out the way Bitch we win the game trying to draw you out the play Dig me never liar human made attire And that facade you on got the best used by a date inside it Never liar human made attire And that facade you on got the best used by a date inside it Ripping pieces off the leaf, I'm about to smoke, nigga. Uh, ain't shit.
shit funny but a joke, nigga I be damn if I'ma die and be a broke, nigga Chasing hundred dollar bills until I croak, nigga And dog, you see no frogs, just the men that be in charge We at large, fleeing from the cars that belong to the bashed and armed Killed a couple artists and put them all in the morgue Killed a lot of sergeants and now they call them the god of war And fitting cars, ignore it, what the fuck you not in for? All that shit is bullshit, bitch it like a monitor All my shit be knocking so often you got a harder door The type of shit you try to put cough drops in a coffin for it Cause you know I'm sick and it kills you You thought a sword would stop the Lord from giving me all my blessings and my rewards That's why I'm often bored Y'all getting so predictable, I'm ha-ha and more I know I'm bragging but to mop the floor with ya is not a chore Nigga, lyrical toys with us but not mature children Childish with the weapon, I'm excited when it's yelling My singing brings diamonds and real G's to the environment Ripping pieces off the leaf, I'm about to smoke, nigga <sighs> Ain't shit funny but a joke, nigga Chasing hundred dollar bills until I croak, nigga